Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. What's up? And we have some super special guests today. They're hosts of the great and funny It's a Hard Knicks Life podcast, fellow Hoops aficionados, fellow Knicks diehard fans. Craig and Barry, thank you so much for coming on, and we're excited to talk about the lowly, miserable Knicks. Uh, what's up, man? How, how are you guys doing? It's great to be here. This Hello. is Craig, and that's Barry motherfucking D. What's up? Thank you for having us, guys. Of course. Yo, that sound, is that Barry's there. microphone? Barry, do you guys hear that? that? Was a, I just spoke in like a lower register. <laughs> That's all. Does it sound good to you guys, Barry's mic? We're good for now. He spoke a little weird, but I think we're good. Barry, are you good? <laughs> I think I'm good. Do I sound okay? It doesn't, no, sound, it doesn't sound good to me, so I just want to make sure with you guys, because we've got this thing on our show that Barry's audio is regularly fucked up. No, it doesn't sound good, actually. Can you say that? I can say yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. hearing it right now. Oh, it, it doesn't? Sounds, you, oh. you sound like a robot right now. Oh, you got to be kidding me. So if you guys want to <laughs> stop and pick it up, or we could just have Barry. I think it would be best if Barry tries to fix it while we're all on right now. <laughs> if he's capable, uh, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> if he's what? All right. Capable. Ca- yeah, Barry, can you try and fix that? Yeah, I can try. It oh, sounds back. better now. Yeah. Oh, does it? Keep it where it is. All right, I didn't touch anything. Did you get back away from the mic? No, I didn't do anything. (laughs) All right, so if it sounds good, I'm just going to leave it as it is. Guys, I don't know if you've heard. Have you heard our show? Because this is what it's like all the time. (laughs) I listened to some. I listened. I did not hear that, but you're good now. All right. All right, good. Okay, cool. So anyway, it's a hard Nick's Life (laughs) podcast. You guys should definitely go check it out. Uh, But right now... We're going to do a little holistic talk about the Knicks, see where we are now, how we got here, and just debrief. There's nothing else to do in these crazy times, so why not just hurt ourselves more and talk about the Knicks? So, you guys... Holistic, pessimistic. Yeah. So, before we get started with the Knicks, um, Nate and Phil, I'd like to learn a little little bit about you guys. Is that okay? course sure. <laughs> like what's what's your deals um the name In the life. name of this podcast is hoop scoop. scoop right you've been the doing this for scoop. how long we started at the beginning of this season actually and how's it going it's going good we actually just got into youtube videos if you guys want to check out our first youtube video that just got released and Great. you do all hoops not just perfect Knicks. We do all hoops. Yeah, we do all hoops. And yeah. it's a we love. I have to, we, we I try have to, to fight say, off. I love the logo. I gotta give Thank you. you. I gotta give you that at least. Thank you. We Appreciate are, it. Yeah, we're 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 right now. Our profit is minus twenty five dollars because of that logo, but <laughs> we're. But it is what it is. Yeah, money well spent, way. man. Hey, you're, yeah, that's, we like it. It's just gonna go down from there. So, <laughs> <laughs> might as well enjoy the ride. And how old are you? How old are you guys? I feel because I, I'm only asking that because I feel like everyone we talk to is half our age, and I just want to get a sense. I <laughs> am 23, and I'm 21. I work as a teacher. He's in college still. Nice. All right. Cool. So we're going to be talking. So you pretty much hit it on the you hit it on the head, yeah, Craig. About, about half, half our age. age. So we're going to be talking yeah, about you, years you when it. you guys were like 12. Well, we... we're we're starting. We're starting with the years we know, so mellow years. Okay. You're... Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You guys still watch that year, right? Absolutely. I mean, I've watched yeah. way too long. A lot of it, you know, it's all been pretty traumatic. So, 
I was actually last night on NBA TV. They had the game seven ninety four. I was watching that. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Starks was like one. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fans, a lot of fans hate him for that to this day. But one of my all time favorite players. I was actually I met him this year. Actually, he was just hanging out on like the first floor of the garden, just taking pictures with people. Okay. Just I don't, I don't even know why. Well, he works for the Knicks. Yeah, he's at a lot of games. He uh he actually I used to work in Stanford, Connecticut, and I was a member at a gym that he was a member at, and and once I was on a treadmill right next to him for like forty minutes, and oh, no. did you say no? Anything? It was killing. It was killing me though. I would, Barry saw. I mean, I <laughs> I posted photos on Twitter of of him working out next to me, so I was like just sitting there trying to take photos of both of him on his tread on the treadmill. Did you rev up the level? No, 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 no. I was, I was like breathing so heavy. I was texting Barry the whole fucking time, like, dude. Yeah, I was trying to figure out a way he could start talking to him, but everything sounded creepy. I mean, it was creepy enough that you were taking <laughs> pictures of him on the channel next to him. I mean, listen, he has he, he, in a gym. He's got headphones in his ears. He's like working out his legs at one point on the treadmill. I'd have to go up to him and ask him to remove his headphones. I'm just not that kind yeah. of guy. I like to let people when they're in the gym. Just yeah, yeah. Jim's a weird. Yeah, time. it's like your personal personal yeah, you space. Yeah, you can't be getting a pump and someone comes up and like tries to fanboy. It's no, uncomfortable. I mean, yeah. so, do we know what John Starks does for the Knicks? Is it just taking pictures with people on the first floor of the garden, or is there more to it than that? Sounds sounds pretty uh nice. That's pretty accurate, guy. Barry. I think you just summed it up right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I asked him. Uh, yeah, one thank question. you. He was a man of few words. I was with my friend and we asked him about R.J. Barrett. And he proceeded to say, I like RJ a lot. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was a very astute uh, impersonation. That as was well. great. So, <laughs> solid. But I give him love for keep on coming back and watching whatever they whatever they think they're putting on the court. So that's nice of him. I mean, if you're getting paid, why not? Fair. All right, guys. Well, is, is, is that enough info for you, Craig? Do you, do you want more? I can tell you about my family if you'd like. Sure. Who do you want to tell me about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I have a dog. A dog. All right. Is it is uh, he or she named after any Knicks? No, we got her. We got her from the pound, and she already had a name, so we didn't really want to fuck. With What's that. the name? It's a female pit bull named Indy. Okay. Barry used to yeah. have a dog. Used to. For like two <laughs> weeks, right, Barry? It was like. Um... I think it was like nine months. <laughs> what a, did they chew through the cords on your mic or something? <laughs> it was just, she was a lot to handle. Let's oh, leave it fair enough. She, she's in a she's in a nice, happy, loving home. She's now. quite a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, all right. I hope that I hope that. Covers all right. Well, it's nice to meet you guys. Of course. Likewise. And again, thank you for yes. coming on. Thank you for talking, Nick's. We have nothing else to do with our time, so. All right, good okay. show, that guys. That is crazy. How do you not have something better, <laughs> better to do with your time? You guys are in your early 20s. And we're quarantined in our homes. And I don't know. I'm what else do we have to do besides all look the young on Twitter? Kids out and... at the beach. They don't think they can get sick. You guys think you can get sick? We're not stupid. Come on. Come on. We're not stupid. We're podcasters out here. We're more realistic. Okay, but we're you started this time. podcast well before this fucking virus, all right? So, That's a fair point, yeah. So why? I mean, you got to have to have better things to do with your time. This is Love not oops. the life you want to get started with. Listen, it's not like, you know, we're, we're so, 
this is what we do for fun. And we're we're trying to we're taking advantage now. We don't have much to do. Let's let's lean into it. Let's lean every in. time yeah, I re- every to, time I record to... Barry, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't just talk about Knicks, so yeah. We usually we used to just like sit in one of our basements and just like do what we call chalk talk, and then we're like, all right, this is stupid. We should at least pod or something. Wow, that is that is yeah. That pretty is... much just recording our. No offense, but that sounds horribly sad. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. We're like, if we're going to be sad, we might as well not make money off of it. Like we're there doing you currently. Go. I mean, we're all in this together, you know. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, Knicks. Long story short. Long story short, Knicks. We want to talk about first the only good year that Phil and I have experienced. I know you guys have a few good years under your belts, but the only good year we've experienced the 2012-13 season. I just wanted to kind of get a view of from somebody else's eyes what you guys remember for that team. Did you like? Did you like that team? Because I, I know some people have mixed feelings about Mello compared to the older teams. What do you remember? Who are the players that stick out? Just what, when I say twenty twelve thirteen Knicks team, what do you guys think of? I mean, I mean, in my mind, that was just a really magical year. It was crazy, right? Um, just seemed like everything went right for us that year. We had this great, this great mix of veterans surrounding Mello. You know, guys like mm-hmm. Kenyon Martin, yeah. Jason Kidd, Rasheed Wallace for a bit. Um, obviously, J.R. Smith and like young guys, young like intense guys like Amon Shumpert. Um, I think Tyson Chan- yeah Tyson Chandler on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Novak just seemed like all season long, everything he shot up went in. Uh, I think he yeah. shot 40-something percent from three that year. It was just one of those years I thought that the Knicks finally looked like a real basketball team and just everything seemed to go their way. And it was just a great mix of players on that team. What do you guys remember? What, for, um, Nate, you go. For me... Obviously, you remember first off Mello, just because he really did play at a, a truly elite level. I know people give him a lot of hate for the way it kind of ended, and maybe some people think he got a little selfish. But in that season, he I, I think he was one of the five best players in the NBA. He he played the right way. I, I Even though his assist numbers were never huge, he seemed to move the ball and then they swing it around and shoot a three. That team shot a lot of threes. They were kind of ahead of their time. I feel like people don't really recognize that. People usually go to the Suns with Steve Nash and them as kind of the first three-ball team. But this team was, I think, one of the first teams to really embrace the small ball. They had Melo playing the four, and then Tyson at the five. And besides that, it was just shooters all around the floor. So they were just a really fun team to watch. The only team I've ever really watched that I got excited for night in and night out. Yeah, I think part of the re- part of the reason why Melo was so willing to move the ball around and play differently that year was obviously he hasn't had that much talent surrounding him, but for that year, for whatever reason, everyone was playing well and everything was clicking. And you know, obviously mm-hmm. he's going to yeah. share the ball. Right. And um, it was just a much different year. And I think that you know, obviously, yeah, like you said, as years went on, a lot of people soured on Melo and his selfishness were never sharing the ball, but. And that I really soured on him too because I wish he would share the ball, even though his fucking teammates sucked. 
you know, still share it and, mm-hmm. and let yeah. them try to succeed instead of just t- always being the one to shoot. But that year, I mean, I, yeah, I think a big part of it was the the players that surrounded him. There was some trust there. Jason Kidd being there was huge. I yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. He had such an impact on J.R. Smith. It was oh, yeah. ridiculous. <clears throat> just like watching the games, you could literally see like Jason Smith directing the offense, like not even touching the ball, just sitting in the corner, just maybe as a three threat, three threat, and then just telling everybody like where to go. And what yeah, to and that do. team was tough, and you know a lot of personality. It yeah, was, it was really great to watch. I remember watching. Uh, I remember specifically this one. Like I was having a, some sort of family dinner at a restaurant somewhere, and I remember waiting to go in. I got there early just so I could sit in my car and watch a national TV game where we were playing Dallas, and. <laughs> I remember just watching us killing Dallas. Um, and like I was saying before, everything was going in. They were just playing at the, at, on all levels, everything was hitting. And I remember watching them and just being like, wow, this is, they look like an NBA team out there. And usually you watch the Knicks and I get jealous of the team they're playing that they look <laughs> like they have a system and they know what they're doing. And that year I remember specifically thinking, wow, they look like an NBA team. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they they definitely actually played a system. They had an identity, which is something that I haven't seen any Knicks team have since. They had an identity on defense, on offense, and they they knew what they were doing. They had set roles. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of that came from just, like, unsuspected people. Like, Copeland stepped up. I'm sure you oh, all yeah. remember Chris Copeland as the DD he was. And uh, Prigioni for – Literally, what did he play? Like 16 minutes a game. And he was just, everyone loved him. Steve Novak, just like, <laughs> yeah. Just like all these little bits and pieces you were like, okay, like nothing's going to happen. Like they don't mean anything. And it's just like, wow. They're just like a contributive piece in like their role. Even Sheed Wallace had like seven points a game for however many games he played. Well, don't lie, you know? <laughs> do, do you guys think, Barry and Craig, do you guys think that they underachieved though? At the end, I mean, uh, was that the year? You'll have to. All these years do get mushed together. They they lost to Indiana in what round? The second. They beat Boston in the first, right? Yeah. Yes, that was the Hibbert block on Melo. Okay, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see how you could ever say they underachieved that year. Because were we expecting Mm -hmm. any of that that year? I mean, yeah, I agree. Honestly, I mean, and all, it's also hard to view them that way now, how bad it's been. I would do anything to go back to any semblance of what was going on that year, you know. Yeah. I, I would never yeah. look at that team and feel I, like they underachieved. I mean, the following year, knowing that they uh, had 50-plus wins in 2012-13 and what happened the following year was obviously an utter disappointment following that year. Mm-hmm. Scary hours. Yeah, I don't think they underachieved either. Because <clears throat> just based on their roster, even it wasn't it wasn't any kind of loaded roster. It was just a team where, as you said, everything seemed to work out. And they lost to a really good Indiana team that gave Miami fits. So, I think the only disappointing thing is that they lost Game One at home. I remember just lo- losing Game One at the Garden kind of kind of stung. But in terms of a team, you can't say they underachieved. I agree. So that was nice. That was fun. But then it went bad. It, it went bad real quick. And I think that if I told you that year that 
we're sitting in 2020, and that was the last time the Knicks made the postseason, you probably would have disagreed. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have believed me, but that's that's where we're sitting. They they haven't made the playoffs since then, and what really never worked, and the, what they tried to do the next season but it didn't work was was the Melo Amari thing. The Melo Amari thing never worked. Even during that year that we just talked about, it was mellow. Amari was an afterthought on that team. He was hurt, then he came off the bench. It wasn't really about him. For you guys, was the mellow Amari thing doomed from the beginning? Do you blame that on anybody? What What were your thoughts on that duo looking back? I think it's always hard to blame like an injury-riddled player too hardly on somebody, but I mean that's pretty much what it came down to, you know. Especially when your hopes are so high after the season that they had, that unsuspecting season they had in 12 and 13. And then like, you know, Stoudemire, he doesn't play most of that next season at the beginning of the season. He doesn't play most of the season at the end of that season. Um, they got off to a horrible start. It was like a three and 13 start that they, yeah. that they started out yeah. that year. Um, you erased that three and 13 start though, for that team. I, I think they had a winning record after that. Um, you know, and they ended up just missing the playoffs um, by like a game or two. Yeah. I think they were 37 and um, 45. So it's not like they were, 20 win team. They got some kind of streak. Yeah, yeah, they just they just really had trouble clicking on the pieces because they added Bargnani and they traded away like who is it Novak and like a few oh, other what, like, a, baby what a pieces. great what a great trade. But then that Bargnani. whole thing. Oh, lest we forget all the picks <laughs> that they sent. But still, that That's was awful. a that was a whole lot for a whole lot of nothing. So yeah, the. I hear what you're saying the injury definitely played a big role, but I, I the, the the duo even when Mario was on the floor it it never worked for me. I don't think I I remember very few games where Amari played and Mello and him seemed to have any kind of chemistry or they seemed to work well together. It always seemed like they wanted to do the exact same thing, which was get the ball in that mid range area and just go to work and. Oh, Amari started it all, so I have to. I have you have to give your love for Amari because without him, who even knows if Melo's there? Because he really made them semi relevant with the way he played when we first got him. But that's fair. It was never. It was never a duo that people looked at and seemed to be scared of, even when they did. Now, who do you ha- but who do you put that on? That's- do you put that more on Melo or Amari? Has Melo been part of duos that that you feel yeah, have been? Right. He hasn't really been welcoming <laughs> to, to... Yeah, he's not a super team player. No, agreed. Yeah, Amelo, yeah, that, that's why Carmelo is such a troubling player because he plays like he's, the be- like he's the best player in the team, but you know that he can't win a title if he's the best player in the team. Yeah, he was doing that up until OKC where he was like, nah, I'm like, I need my touches. Like, I deserve them. Like, I need to get them. And then <clears throat> just throughout, like, having this kind of roster around you, you needed to be able to have people that were reliable, like, from three or being able to get a stop. Or Amari was not that, like, second banana. So no, and I think, you know, you always you always wanted to – I mean, I, I constantly have always just wanted a, a point guard. And so, yeah, of course, yeah. like, <laughs> I think we all saw that the Amare-Mello combination wasn't – was never ideal, but – Hey, there were two fucking stars that kind of wanted to be here, and that was exciting, you know. And it made it. Fun. I mean, when yeah, when they traded no, for yeah. Mello and we had Amara, you thought, oh, you know, this is going to be amazing because compared to what we've had, mm-hmm. 
it's a huge upgrade. Um, but yeah, never exactly, yeah. never really seemed to work when they both were on the court together. Yeah, you're you're right. I don't really blame either of the players. It just it just didn't, yeah. it just didn't unfortunate work. circumstances. It just didn't work. But so we have this, these these two terrible years after the 2012-13 season. I remember the 2014-15 season is the worst. They win 17 games. They're throwing Alexi Shved out there. Mm. They're throwing Lance Thomas out there. Alexi Shved was a darling while he was playing, though. People were saying that we should keep him in our young core oh, of Jesus. him and like Tory Murray. Tory Murray, I remember <laughs> him too. And that was the year the All Star game was in New York, and Melo just decided to play the All Star game and then sit the rest of the year out because he wanted to get used to Oh yeah, so that was cool. <laughs> he was like, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go take five steps in Brooklyn, and then I'm gonna." And Melo, he got voted in by the fans that year, right? Yeah, he, he was did. a starter, I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's amazing how much has changed. Um, it is. That was yeah. an awful. That was but, an awful year. A so, lot went wrong. That was the worst. That yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, that was the worst year, maybe. But <laughs> so we tank. We win seventeen games, and we get the fourth overall pick in the twenty fifteen draft, and we take he who should not be named. You know who, Chris Stops. What did What did you guys think after we drafted Porzingis? Well, I mean, going into that, going into that draft, there were, I just seem to remember a lot of rumors of maybe, um, who, I'm, I'm like blanking on who was drafted second after Carl Anthony. It, it went Towns, D'Angelo, Russell, Okafor, right. And Porzingis was four right? on the next radar. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I feel yep. like this always happens at drafts. You start to hear rumors of potentially like Okafor falling. Right. So I remember a lot of Knicks fans being excited that maybe we could get one of those those top three guys, because you also heard rumors about them possibly being right. interested in Porzingis. But we were all like, oh, another fucking European dude is going to suck. Um, yeah. We just had the bar. Yeah. And we've, and we've drafted so Euro we guys taste. before. It never seems to work out. Um, so, no, you know, every but nobody really wanted that. And I think people were hoping that one of those. D'Angelo Russell or Okafor fell just because of their college careers. That didn't end up happening. You know, we picked, yeah. we were going for obviously, and Porzingis was there. Um, they picked him, and obviously, everyone was freaking out because he's just a European guy that they don't know nothing about. But I'm, I'm like an eternal optimist yeah. when it comes to the Knicks, as bad as, as, as it's been. And no matter how much shit I talk about, even if I was saying you cannot draft Porzingis, once they draft him, I'm one of those fans that. You know, I I easily fall in love with guys if the Knicks pick them. Even if I thought they sucked before, I start watching all their videos right after that, and that happened to me with Porzingis. I I was worried because they were going to draft another Euro guy. I got excited about maybe D'Angelo or Okafor falling. That didn't happen, so I was a little disappointed in Porzingis. But once I started watching him, you see all the talent in him, and you want to think positively. He's he's obviously you know he's got range. He's seven foot whatever at that point, seven foot one, two, three. I don't know if he was still growing or whatever, but um, I was excited about his potential and I saw the the bright side of it. Yeah. I remembered, um, I don't know if you guys remember Justice Winslow. He's, he's kind of around still, but I was like, I guess they're taking him. Cause there were like all those like 
headlines shots of him and like Melo at like a Yankees game, and I was like, oh shit, that's it. Like we figured it out. They're not taking. Porzingis. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fans. I, I remember a lot of fans but being I mean, upset that they took Porzingis over Winslow or even uh, fucking Hazonia, which is funny. <laughs> oh yeah, that's who it was. Oh my god, because Hazonia were, was just people were calling Hazonia like the. Hype. I remember some version of Kobe, right? Yeah, they were saying like they were saying something about like he was like a more bouncy Jr. <laughs> like Kobe or something. It was ridiculous. What a world! Yeah, the, I just I hate when people pretend like they know what's going on in the draft. Like that. That's why I hate when they show that stupid yeah. little kid from the Porzingis draft. Oh. <laughs> I hate when they and now he got and he got a, a picture of the Porzingis years later. I yeah, well, he it. does it every year too. Because he, and it's just kid so grinded his way to fame. It's you so annoying. Give him it's it's like why are you booing a player that you know nothing about? A, and then you just you're gonna root for him anyway. So why that's the thing. Him? I mean, I, if, I, if I, like I, the Knicks I were picking all... one and Zion was sitting there right last year and we picked we picked RJ. Yeah. No offense to RJ. I mean, yeah. we would have a right to boo. Yeah. But other than something like super obvious yeah. like that, I don't right. get it either. Because I don't fucking know. I'm not going to yeah. pretend I watch every single college game exactly. where I'm yeah. 100% certain how, how someone's college game will translate into the NBA. I mean, you have to put a little bit of faith right. into your front office. Unfortunately, we're Knicks fans. And there's not a lot of faith there. And there shouldn't be. <laughs> But yeah, it does drive me crazy how it's an automatic, you know, boo for whoever we fucking pick when you literally know nothing about any of these guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's not even just like a roll of the eyes. There was like a lot of emotion and a lot of passion <laughs> oh, yeah. behind that anger. It's like, who do you want? Ridiculous. Like, what, what, well, what well I don't get is what, who that toddler had on his mock draft. Expected <laughs> oh, can you imagine if they picked Justice Winslow, the fucking place who would have went fucking bonkers? Yeah, he would have been. He would have been our knight in shining armor. It's. It, I, I hate. I hate the draft antics. But anyway, so Porzingis comes. He has his rookie year. It's him and Melo. He plays fine. They have a pretty bad year. Win thirty two games, and that's that. And then the next summer, things get really weird. Things get really weird after that. They get Phil Jackson. They get Derrick Rose. They get Joakim Noah. They get that triangle going. And th- yeah, things start getting weird. I, I want to talk about the Phil Jackson thing for a second with you guys because I know you guys probably have been following Phil Jackson since his his days coaching with the Bulls. Well, well, what were your thoughts when you heard Phil Jackson was going to have a role with the Knicks? Was there optimism, confusion, <laughs> both? I mean, yeah, obviously we know he played for the Knicks back like a hundred years ago. And then coach Jordan, right. Won a bunch of championships there. Uh, has had similar success in LA. I was super, I was excited. I'm not going to lie. It felt, felt like we had a basketball mind joining our team finally. And right. a winner and you someone have, that Dolan is going to trust to just take over yeah. the team. I mean, little did I know that, Fucking grandpa Phil Jackson is you give be that guy full control during you just... you know draft <laughs> workouts and calling like LeBron James and all yeah. his fr- friends a posse and pissing off p- 
pissing off every fucking player in the league and basically (laughs) ruining our shot to get anybody. And the triangle became the fucking running joke (laughs) for us. (laughs) Yeah, I I remember Porzingis was interviewed after a game or in some capacity he was talked to and asked about the triangle and he just said, we don't really (laughs) know the triangle. (laughs) Like, I don't... I don't think anybody knew if the triangle was happening, what the triangle really was, how that would even work with today's M- it it was a mess. It was a mess. They had no roadmap for that. They just paid him five million dollars to just send a beach in LA. Yeah, that was that was a hefty contract to just I mean, if he was running the show realistically, that's worth the contract, but like he was just kinda floating it. You put grandpa at the wheel. But like it's crazy, but it, when it. he first, you know, I remember the press conference that he was at and, and I, I mean I was excited I don't know how you guys felt I don't know if you've said it but I was I was excited on that day and even talk of the triangle I was just excited about any sort of direction or system I didn't know if it was going to fucking work I didn't really understand what the triangle was I mean you had some idea but but I was just I was excited that they were going to do something um cuz it just felt like year after year they're just like yeah, no, putting guys excited. out there and just letting them fucking run around You know, after the press conference, uh, at least when I heard he was uh, going there, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, this will be interesting. Like, he's shown a track record of winning. I remember going onto, like, YouTube and looking up as many triangle offense um, instructional videos as I could so I could understand how we're doing this. And it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't. It didn't. I don't even know if it didn't work or if they just didn't even do it. I mean, he also wasn't the coach. Probably a that's mix of both, even... honestly. It's one of those situations, too, yeah, where, like, that, that's what it you know, they just never full go all in 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 a, in, a, in the direct in any direction. You know, like they did this like half ass right tank rebuild for like a season, and then all of a sudden they expected like yeah. the next year to be winning. Um, it just doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. Yeah, no, you can't you can't skip steps. So, agreed. But the Phil Jackson thing happened. Derrick Rose is on the team. They actually started out decent that year. I think they started out 16 and 13. But then they completely floundered. End the season 31 and 51. And Rose is gone the next year after doing a whole lot of nothing. And that was the Rose. Um, that was Rose, Joaquin, Mello, Courtney, Courtney Lee. I think Rose right? came out. Yeah. Courtney Lee was a good, he was a good little guy. Perfect glue guy. Yeah, Phil likes the glue guys a lot. I love a good glue. Oh, guy. Phil Jay Dwyer Crowder. likes the glue guys. Yeah, he likes glue. I wasn't sure. I do yeah, like yeah. the glue guy. Yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. you mixed Don't up with Phil wrong. Jackson. So <laughs> that's like a we bad. both love our. So glue I thought you were like Phil loves the glue guys, and we're talking third person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking third person. <laughs> no, uh, I also remember that year. Derrick Rose came out before the year and said it was a, it was a super. That was he was right. So that was right. That was, cool. was he wrong? He, I mean, <laughs> he definitely got us no. excited. Yeah, I mean, we were all. I mean, super. I thought that was exciting. All these guys, you know, but we we got we always yeah, always no. get these guys way past when we're supposed to be getting. Yeah, for sure. Well, that came and went. The next year, Rose is gone because that was a one year deal. Right before the year, we traded. This Mello. is dizzying. This so is dizzying, by the way. How we're flying through all this. 
I've got no idea in my head who's coaching these things. Oh, the coaches, I can't even do right now. It's a consistent disappointment. You can rest assured. The coaches I can't do right now. That's that's way too much. We can we can do a whole coach debrief at some point, but right now Mello's gone. And before we go forward with the Porzingis stuff, what well, the Mello era is now over. He's in OKC, and he flounders away essentially. What were your guys' takeaway on the Mello era? Like, what where does he rank on the all-time Knicks board? I know. I'm going to ask you a question that I know the answer to. Should oh, he have no. the jersey retired? <laughs> I agree. Right. Okay. Just Good. making sure we're on the same page there. Absolutely not. But no, yeah. No way. But what what'd you, what are your final thoughts on Melo when it's all said and done? How will you remember him? Well, it's tough to say because oh, I don't boy. even think it's Here done yet. Go. I mean, do. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. It, it, is it impossible he doesn't return to the Knicks? Is that he's impossible? Okay, so let, but let's just, just pretend like he's not. And yeah, <laughs> obviously his, his high production years are, are well behind him. We all know this. So yeah, you can judge his career. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, he put up huge numbers. He's going to go down as, you know, a top 100 player in the history of the game. He was an amazing offensive talent. But, you know, Nate, I think you said it before. When he's the best player on your team, you're not going to be a championship contending team. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what it comes down to. It's not going to be mm-hmm. in the recipe for success. Listen, unfortunately listen for him. have you seen, did you yeah. see the other day they replayed his 62 point game? How many assists he yeah. had in that game? Zero. I think it's zero. I mean, that really sums up my view of Melo. I, I, I loved when we traded for him. It, it killed me. Killed me that we had to give up the Italian stallion. Um, I will never get over that. <laughs> the rooster. It would have been a dynamic um, duo. He was, he, was my, he was my favorite Nick. I thought he was going to be an all-time great. If he had stuck on the Knicks, he'd be wow. getting his jersey retired. All right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm fine. Didn't he look all in <laughs> But I that mean, was how I viewed him it. when he was here. Because, think about like I said, that. I'm always the eternal optimist with everyone okay. that we draft. I think they're going to be amazing. Yeah, we took him high. He was sixth overall. That was, yeah, he was going to be great, but we traded him. We got rid of so many guys for Melo, but I was still excited. I mean, we, you know, landing a star like him, but yeah, over time, I really soured on Melo, especially towards the end where he just never, like we were saying before, he had, he has a problem. He's a sharing problem. And, uh, he, <laughs> he wants to do everything. There were a lot of sharing things that rubbed me the wrong way. Melo. Like when, when Lynn Saturday was going on. You know, he didn't seem like he was into that because he wasn't the guy. Uh, yeah, and he subtly forced. Yeah, I mean, those last those last couple of years, I really wanted Melo. I wanted him gone, and I was kind of like, in a way, disappointed when they extended him or signed him to another deal with Phil. I, I thought that there was a chance that he might end up with Chicago, and that would hurt. And everything, but I was really fearful of them signing him to a, another big deal and what that would do to our team. Um, I was ready to end it there, to be honest, and then it extended even longer. So I really, my final like two or three years with Melo really uh, were painful to watch. Yeah, I get, I, I, I get what you're saying. 
it's it's a tough it's a tough debate with the Melo thing because some people will say we never really gave him. No one ever did. No one. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we listen. We have we haven't had a legit point guard in however long, so he never had a point guard. Okay. I'm his numbers. His his best number two option was J.R. Smith. That's the fact of the matter. We never gave him a better second score than J.R. Smith. And we never really got a real coach. We had Mike Woodson, but was Mike Woodson really – he's kind of a roll the ball out and let you play kind of coach in my eyes. To be fair, though, if you're going to – if you're going to say Mello wants – we never gave Mello the best situation, then we should have gotten some kind of, like, reciprocal action from Mello because he forced his way to New York. He threatened that he would go to Brooklyn – or not Brooklyn, New Jersey instead. And so they had to trade for him, thus giving up all these assets. Yeah, absolutely. Instead, he could have just signed in free agency. Yeah, he brought a lot but of he wanted that, that like himself, extra money, which which yeah. was fucking bullshit. Agreed. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. No. Yeah. We we gutted the roster for him, and yeah, and that starts with that's like the whole problem we're talking about now. It's just like it's it's a whole mess. It was a mess. It was kind of sad because we kind of see how his career went and. He comes to the garden. He's going to get cheers when he comes to the garden just because he is the, the bright spot of the last 15 years or so. And you know whatever role he's on. In and I'm not, a, I'm not a mellow hater, by the way. The I mean, I, I went to Syracuse. I loved watching him. I wasn't there when he was there, but I obviously saw him win that championship for them. I loved him. I loved him when he came to the Knicks. Before he was on the Knicks, I wished he could be on the Knicks. It's just those – and I – to this day – I think he's an awesome, an awesome person, and he's a he's a great guy. And he's really likable. I just hated yeah. him on the fucking court. Those that final like year or two on the Knicks, I hated the way he played. Yeah, I think that's what's so polarizing about him too. Why you have so many fans on like one side or the other because. You know, if he was an asshole off the court, <laughs> it, would, it would be very yeah. easy to hate him because you'd hit every aspect of him. But because, because you know, he's got a great personality and he carries himself well off the court and he says the right things, he is likable. So, you, you you know, you cheer for that kind of guy. And I think that's why he's still it's has, unbelievable. Like if I saw him in the of, street, I would get so excited him. and I would want to run up to him and, you know, and <laughs> I'd be so excited to see him. But if he – like when he was playing with the Knicks – well, right, of course. I unless mean, he had his head, unless he's at the gym, right? And a towel in the locker room. I'm not <laughs> going to go up out. to him. But he's I mean, I would be excited to see him. him. But that, like, I I did not get excited to see him on the court for the Knicks in that final year or two, which is quite <laughs> yeah. a difference, you know. <laughs> yeah, fair. Also, in terms of him being a good guy, Phil Jackson treated him like dog shit. That was it. Was not cool. Towards the end, he was he was taking all these subtweet shots at him in the media, telling a lot of internal strife. Yeah, it was just not cool. And, and Melo handed that with with a lot of grace because it was a crappy situation. Nobody wanted the Knicks to be that bad. It was it was rough. But Phil Jackson was Phil Jackson quite the was asshole when you think worse. about everything that went on. He was. Yeah, he was right about one thing, which we'll get into soon. He was, right, he was very high and mighty. He was right, trading he was right Porzingis. But yeah, and let's just get, let's get into Porzingis now. So, yeah, Mello's gone. We know the season. Yeah, we have that first year, and the Mellow year, the twenty twelve thirteen year, was probably my most fan, most fun as a Nick fan thus far in my life. But this was probably second place. This yeah, this year before he got hurt, 
when Porzingis was really the guy, he was playing well, and he really looked like he wanted to be here. The crowd just absolutely loved him. Do you guys, what's your recollection of that first half of the season in 17-18 when Porzingis was And it really refresh my memory. Well. This was the year he went down, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, he went down yeah, in February. I mean, it, it, I think we all got really excited about him. That was his third season? Yeah, right? It's so like, yeah, we all saw his growth his first couple yes. seasons, and we, we saw his potential. And honestly, I mean, I was viewing him as a future, like, all-time great, <laughs> as I did with Danilo Gallinari. So, you know, take that however you want to fucking take it. <laughs> I hate them it's before we draft them. Once man. we draft them, they're going to be, like, have their jerseys <laughs> hanging in the rafters one day. Um, but, yeah, that year we finally saw, like, oh, my God, he really, he, he really does have that top five to 10 NBA player potential, right? He, he started off the year on fire. Um, and I, yeah, I was, I was loving his game and I think everyone was, I mean, that his athleticism, the way he could shoot from well beyond the three point line, the way he could throw it down, uh, his defense, his blocks. I mean, I, I loved KP, um, but like we all know, you know, it, it, his first couple of years, it, he always seemed to sort of die down um, as the season went on. Yeah, yeah. There was a big fatigue. So I think we time. also all we also really like worried like when was that going to happen that year? Yeah, absolutely. He had a lot on his plate that year though, and and he was really handling it well. He was playing at a high level, made an All Star appearance. He had potential on both ends. He was probably the second best Nick I've seen in my lifetime, which is pretty crazy to think about. But the way that he was playing, he he really looked like the real deal. And then he tears his ACL, and things go to absolute shit from there on. We have a terrible season. Barry and I, um, I don't know, you guys were like 15 when this podcast happened. No, I'm kidding. How old were you when Porzingis uh, got hurt? 18. Yeah. Yeah. How old was that? Me? No, I was probably okay. 20, two years 21. ago. <laughs> so you probably weren't listening to our show. But guys, we we were doing the podcast. We did an emergency podcast after that game. But while we were doing the podcast, we oh, didn't sure. know yeah, yeah. You have to. that how bad it was. And in the middle of the the podcast, news came up that he tore his ACL and he was done for the year. And it was, it was, we were devastated. Yeah, it really was devastating. That's the the only way to put it. It was, but you knew that was, you knew watching Porzingis play that eventually that was going to happen. Yeah, I see what you're saying. There. Did you not? I there mean, I I got nervous every that. time he he just, like came down and looked awkward. So many times, well before that moment. Yeah, and he did a lot of that, like where you would see him come down on one leg, and he would really just like that. Knee <laughs> As a Knicks fan, you like, always <laughs> think that the worst is going to happen, and I was like, oh, we finally have this great player. I, I I'm telling you, I knew he was going down at some point. I. I Anytime he fell down on the floor, I would let I I, I would stop breathing until he stood up. <laughs> he fell. So a I lot. wasn't breathing he a fucking a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I couldn't even really enjoy what Porzingis was doing because I was like, I know at some point this motherfucker is going to break his leg and he's never going to be the same. And uh, I mean, yeah, I, you I were, know, you were right on I know I was not the that. only one seeing that. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, well, that was really... You could just tell from the way he was built. It was just like a question. It was kind of a crapshoot, but like you were riding the wave. The you greatest thing that ever happened to, for Porzingis so is yeah, this coronavirus, by the way. Because the dude, he, there is no way he's getting through a season, an entire season. And, you know, play, he started playing at a great level this year and just. He only plays well with that. Let me say that. When they well, I hope, that, I hope that continues. I mean, I. I uh, trust me, I don't want to see him succeed. <laughs> I hope Doncic and Porzingis get in the beef so bad. You know where Luca wants to go? I mean, I would... right where Porzingis left. <laughs> that could be the scenario. That would be ideal. They they fight so bad. Chris uh, I mean, I, I he's just trying to get back at him. You know, I'm sure that you guys felt this way when we had Porzingis. I was I would I would kill to have been able to draft Luca to join him. That would. Would have been a dream scenario. Uh, yeah. yeah. We got a good consolation. Prize. I remember seeing the conspiracy theories that like Knicks are trading oh, yeah. up for Luca. <laughs> they were going to be like a dream pair. It was like, nope, crapshoot. Yeah. Well, knowing the Knicks luck, they would have traded up probably. to the second pick and probably taken Marvin Bagley. Knicks fans would have been yeah. booing like crazy when we picked well, Luca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The kid, the That's, that is back. for sure. Well, that happens. We have a shitty rest of the year. Essentially tanked the second half. The, the next season, we go all in on the tank, which I was fine with, because we knew Porzingis was out the whole We year. fully commit. We knew we are going all in. And then the news starts fluttering around that Porzingis isn't happy. And it all seemed like it happened within about two minutes, where I get a tweet that Porzingis wants out, and then it says Porzingis traded the Dallas Mavericks. And I see what our return is, and I don't know what to think. Well, when the trade went down, what what were you guys thinking? Barry, you want to start? I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was shocked to be honest. I mean, I knew I knew that you know there were plenty of rumblings and plenty of indications before that went down that. He wasn't happy and that there was a lot of, um, you know, it, it was just a tumultuous relationship between him and the Knicks. But I didn't think it was that bad. And we never heard any actual tangible rumors that an actual trade was going to happen at that moment. So when we heard the news, like, I felt like I was walking around in a daze <laughs> for hours Yeah, that day. It was because it, it was so out of left it field. It was crazy. You know, like, like you said, we heard about that there was a meeting going on, and then like literally an hour later, he was traded off to the Mavericks. You know, in this big in this big deal, and you know, you didn't know what to think be- because it was such a shock. First, we were like, "How can the Knicks do this? We we didn't really get anything in return." Okay, you know, we unloaded Hardaway in his contract, but like, you know, what what are we really getting back? It's not it's not in the bag that we're going to be able to do anything with that money. It's not a given. And, I, and we know now that, you know, it didn't turn out to be that way. Um, so, but, but then, you know, as the days went by and you start thinking, well, 
you know, it must have been really bad. And, you know, how, if if we would have held on to him and he would have been miserable and then he would have demanded a trade somewhere, we would have lost any leverage we had. And, you know, realistically, maybe this was the best option and the best outcome that the Knicks could have had because it happened so quickly. Yeah, we heard that they were like trying to get they were trying to flip him for Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, any like young guard or young guy that they they thought they could like get with this kind of the superstar potential from Porzingis, but it didn't work out. And the only like offer they got was for Dennis Smith, DeAndre Jordan, West Matthews, and some picks. Yeah, <laughs> some, yeah. Some and I mean, I want to tell you guys how I was feeling when all that went picks. down. Also, but yeah, it is concerning to me that. That they were, it did seem like Perry and Mills were so so hell bent on getting a young guard back, and I wonder how much that really hampered, you know, what else they could get back for for Porzingis. And also, mm-hmm. obviously, they want a big part of that deal was trying to get rid of the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, which, in hindsight, now mm-hmm. obviously right. looks awful because. If we didn't have to give up Tim Hardaway Jr., we would have been able to get a lot more back from a team, whether it's first-round picks or – I mean, I would think for Porzingis, you should be able to get multiple first-round picks for him, you know. Uh, but, yeah, but that day was shocking yeah, to me. I mean, out. and I think a big part of it – I don't know what your guys' mindset was, but after him going down the previous year and, you know, us all battling through that season without – you know, our, our great player that we all love and getting through the off season, knowing that, you know, he's not going to come back so soon. And we're all counting the days basically until Christmas time or early January when the rumors were that he could possibly be coming back. I mean, we, we kept inching closer and closer and, yeah. and it's, it was so painful to watch Nick's games without him there, you know? And for me, it was really shocking because we were getting so close you know and it felt like we were going to see him soon but i don't think we knew at that point he was going to be out that entire year as well but so when that happened i was i was yeah it all happened so fast you, you heard the rumors that he had a meeting with mills and perry that morning you heard rumors that he he wasn't happy and then all of a sudden you hear rumors not a rumor but all of a sudden you see the report from Woj or, or whoever it was Terrania, however you say his name, one of those two guys. Um, <laughs> everyone, they're all fucking. Oh, Terrania's a hack. He, <laughs> oh, everything Sh- Sam Sham Sharania yeah. post is about. Two I mean, I'm not a big fan of Woj either. Uh, I think it's hilarious. Seems to hate on the Knicks lately. But um, yeah, it was it was I was shocked and uh, sad. Um, trying to look at the bright side of. Well, he wanted to leave. Um, he always, I always felt like he was going to hurt himself in the way he did. He'd, he'll probably do it again. I was nervous about signing him to a, you know, a max deal uh, without seeing him play, which I was worried the Knicks were going to do, which is basically what Dallas did. Um, I wasn't sure that would be a, a good idea, given how bad we've been for how, for how long we've been that bad. So, I mean, I saw the positives in moving him. Um, and I saw the positives in losing and trading away Timmy and that contract, opening up space, you know, being able to t- take a run at Durant and Kyrie or whoever Durant really wanted to play with. 
um, didn't really work out, but that was a shocking day. And it, it's, it's sad. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite Knicks, you know, um, that I've gotten to see. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough day. <clears throat> I remember I was, I literally came out of the shower when it was happening. I was in my towel and I like checked my phone and I got like eight texts from like friends and they were like, do you see what happened? Do you see what happened? Like, yo, what's up? And they're like, do you see Chris stops? I'm like, what, what happened? And so I'm like standing in my like towel dripping wet, trying to like get through bleach report to see what happened. And the Wi-Fi was taking forever. It was just lagging through. And eventually I see he got traded and I just like sat on my bed and I was like, Oh, f- oh, f- oh no. And then like, after like 20 minutes of just uh, a thought process, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised I like, you didn't, I, gotta, I, gotta I would have sat there for like up. three hours in a towel. <laughs> I, I was, I was at work trying to work and it was like, People were, I mean, I, everyone knows how big of a Knicks fan I am, and they're coming oh, in. No. And I couldn't get happening. anything done that day. It was, it was like the, it was horrible. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. horrible. Yeah, but I can safely say yeah. he's probably my least favorite NBA player now. He went from my yeah, favorite. I mean... I, it's just, listen, they had to do what they had to do. The bottom line is this: he did not want to be in New York. That is just the fact of the matter. We were ready to hand him the keys. I think I know you you may you may not have wanted us to, but I think we were ready to give him the max deal. And I don't think he wanted to play with the Knicks. For whatever reason, he didn't want it. He didn't want to have the pressure maybe. I guess he didn't like the way he was being treated, but listen, we know that if if you win in New York, you will be immortal. Uh, it's nice to win anywhere else, but the next player that leads the Knicks to a championship is it's going to be different. And we thought maybe he could be that guy. We all, we all know, like I know we it. all feel that way. And as Knicks fans, and I mean I don't know if you guys are New Yorkers, but as New Yorkers, you know, like what kind of impact that would have on the city and how they fucking basically own the, whoever wins the championship for the Knicks will own the city, right? But can you blame? But can you blame him? Yes. <laughs> I mean. Even based yeah. on what's gone down after he's left, like it's such a—I mean, it's such a joke uh, of a franchise, and he, he just I, gave us no time. It's like, what do you expect? I mean, what we showed him in those three years is isn't sometimes it's enough for somebody. I, suppose, I don't know. You you just look at young players around the league. Usually, usually they sign that one big contract. And then they kind of see where things go after that. You look at Devin Booker in Phoenix, Towns, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. It's, that, I mean, terrible. that but, you're right. That's why it's so crazy. This never happens. Teams don't lose players this yeah, young exactly. who are that talented. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why it was so interesting. He was, he pushed on this new era of like, like, I'm a, even though I'm like 22 or 21, I like I'm making my player. Yeah, and do like you guys? How do you guys feel now. about? It was ridiculous. Um, you know, if, if he didn't want to be here, or do you think that the Knicks, because they they hold all the power, Knicks didn't have to trade him. Even if he demanded a trade, they no, could have. They yeah. could have just said no, right? And and t- taking their chances in the offseason, then he could decide: is he going to take a lot less money? Um. Or is he gonna, you know, is he gonna take the the Knicks max offer? Yeah, uh, but they have they could they control the scenario. Also, it, it takes a lot of balls. Yeah, it it would take a lot of balls for yeah. him coming off a torn ACL to reject a max offer from the Knicks. Like that takes a lot of. Balls. I just think that so Mills and Perry didn't want to. 
you know, they're trying to change the culture. They don't want to deal with a fucking uh, guy who doesn't want to be here. His brothers that don't want him to be here and deal yeah. with that whole right. aura. But I don't know. In hindsight, yeah, they we got we got nothing. We got nothing for him. Yeah. 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 I'm okay with the with the idea of getting rid of players who don't want to be here. That makes sense to me. But yeah, the trade looking back was bad. I mean, you, you understand the purpose of it. They they're trying to clear up cap space. They got rid of all their bad contracts. They got, I guess, a young player in Dennis Smith Jr. who has not been good at all. But <laughs> it was rosier in the moment. Oh well. I I still don't understand what the whole I mean, I get they want to get off the Tim Hardaway contract, but if you had the option to pick up a better player and just kind of swallow that contract, really because they, they like, thought they could get two, two that max guys on the roster. I mean, it's crazy looking back at it now, but that's I, true. Yeah, they obviously saw they thought that they were going to be, and I think we all did. Yeah, that's thought they were going to be instant championship contenders if Durant didn't get hurt in that in that final game, and Durant came with someone. Yeah. I mean, God willing, someone other than fucking Kyrie. But even if he, if a healthy Durant came with Kyrie, I mean, that would have been, uh, you yeah. know, a, a huge thing for us. Yeah. I think they were looking at, you know, that was they that was the a small window to become a championship contender out of nowhere. Yeah, that was their last ditch effort at like a short term solution. Yeah. It all it almost serves them right though because they've done nothing to earn it. You, like you, you kind of have yeah. to earn that. Like we haven't earned the right to get free agents yet. You can't you, you can't skip steps. That's that's what I that's what I say. Obviously, it, it helps you get free agents, but if you don't lay the groundwork for a free agent to want to come there, it's just dude, yeah. They need they need chance. they need two or three years of. Yeah. Of improved play and not be a, being a joke before I think big free agents start taking us seriously again. Yeah. Three years in the gulag. Agreed. So Porzingis is gone. We're left with the, the wasteland that was the 2019 free agency class where we got Julius Randle, Wayne Ellington, and Bobby Portis. I know a lot of people are going to hate on the offseason we just had, but we still don't have any long-term contracts, which is good. Nobody's locked up past this this next season. Even Julius Randle, he has a team option after next season. And we have our young guys. We're going to continue to build. Are you guys optimistic about where we are now? What are your thoughts? Are you just sad? I don't know. Hey, it's a hard fucking Nick's life, guys. <laughs> just general state of sadness. For sure. It's sure. I mean, it's great. Look, it's it's hard to be it's hard to be optimistic, right? You know, we do the best that we can. As far as the off season that we had, you know, coming into this season, for a plan B, I thought it was fine. Like like you mentioned, you know, you didn't have any crippling contracts that you signed. They're all very flexible. You know, you get out of them after a year. Um, you know, we didn't get rid of any of our youth. You know, through the Przingis trade, um, and since that point. All the way going back to the Nilakina and Dotson draft beer, we, we haven't lost anybody. We held on to everyone, which is good. You try, you know, is the player development there? You know, that's definitely more than arguable because we really haven't <laughs> seen much there. However, we're holding on to them. We're holding on to our picks. You know, you, there, there's there is stuff here to be proud of, and I know that this front office 
is, you know, is, is turning at this moment in time. You know, we've got a new president and I'm sure we're going to have a new GM soon, but the job that, that, that they did, th- there was some value to what they did. It wasn't all for shit um, over the last three years. So, you know, they, they, I hold, I hold on to that as optimism, you know, and, you know, and, and we'll see, you know, I, I don't think, I think that they're in good standing. I think that they have flexibility, especially with all the picks we have coming to us. I yeah, think the groundwork that is that, there. That's the, the, um, the thing to be optimistic about. You know, I, I think RJ is going to be a very good player. Uh, I love Mitchell Robinson. I think those are two guys that we could build around. A, a lot of hinges on where we end up in the lottery this year and who we're able to get. Can we finally get a solid point guard in here? I don't think anything's really going to change all that much until we get get something like that. Um, but yeah, like you said, this off, this past off season, it wasn't what we all expected or wanted, but everyone is basically on one year deals except for Julius Randle. And I know everyone's hating on Julius Randle all season long. There was even some news that came out today about certain players being upset about, you know, him not sharing the ball kind of like mellow like um yeah and you know he's not the perfect player uh but he's a talented player um so if he's the worst thing that happened to us i mean in this offseason people kill the knicks because they they signed all these power forwards or whatever they want to say they're all one-year deals and you have to fill the roster with somebody right (laughs) i mean you can't just it can't just be all guys from the g league you got to put some guys out there you have to fill up the you salary. Just throw you get out close to the salary top in some way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the groundwork is there. We don't owe it. There's no long-term deals on this team. Still got a bunch of young guys with talent. Hopefully, whoever Leon Rose brings in for player development can work with these guys. They have a lot of talent. I love Frank. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about him. Knox. Knox, I'm really disappointed in. I'm hearing all this shit how, big, about big, how he's the hardest Frank. working guy on the team. That fucking scares the shit out of me because it doesn't look like he's the hardest working guy on the team. <laughs> if he's the hardest working guy on the team, like it, he during the game, it looks like he's not doing any hard work. It, it's such a weird thing. He just glides around out yeah. there and runs around on his tippy yeah, fucking toes. Just... And he's the hardest working guy on the team when he's not. <laughs> but when he's playing the games, he's not doing anything out there that looks hard. <laughs> how is that po- how is he the hardest working guy, guy on the, the team yet. yeah no. that I, don't know. I have a question if you guys could re- undo one of the signings we did this summer well, which one would it be I personally am an anti uh, guy. that's a great that's question um, I think a lot of fans would want to say Julius uh but yeah, I mean, I, 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 right. I would say Alfred. I don't know if I would have said that if you didn't set me up for that. But I'm such a bit. I appreciate it because, <laughs> I mean, I'm such a Sorry, huge man. Frank fan, and I've been dying for him <laughs> to just get the opportunity to get a ton of minutes and start, uh, regardless of how bad he plays, and just let him work through it. And year after year, they just don't allow that to happen. There's Agreed. always somebody, yeah, in his way, yeah. Of course, Alfred's going to get in his Kept way because 
you know, right. uh, like today he's, he, he's just more, he, he just does more consistently, but it's not at such a great level where it's worth delaying right. finding out what we have in Frank, you know, so that, yeah, but I would love one year for there not to be someone mm-hmm. in Frank's way. I think it's probably too late for that. Um, next year, if we have the opportunity to draft a point guard, great. I think we should go for it at that point and, and let the chips fall where they may, you know, with Frank. But I'm a huge Frank fan. It's it's sad that we ha- he hasn't had that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, Frank deserves at least some kind of nod at starting point guard because he's just defensive – ability and like everything he's been able to show with RJ on the court is just like they seem like a very good pairing I wouldn't say perfect because you could definitely find some kind of better role and Frank is probably best suited in like a role player position where he's how he's playing now but like him and RJ right now are just they just vibe shortly but yeah I saw a lot of stuff when I was watching like Nick Seller stuff where it's like Alfred Payton literally He's just trying to pad, pad stats right now, and he's just feeding big men only when he's getting in the paint. And there's all this footage of, like, RJ's making, like, nice cuts, and he doesn't even look towards him. He's just always looking at, like, Bobby Portis or, like, Julius Randle. So well, there's, like, there's been a ton of that, a lot of open RJ. I wonder, is it, what, yeah. what is the you deal know, with that? He, screaming for the ball. He's, he's, he's feeding guys it. who he knows he has a better shot of getting an assist with. Yeah, that's like the whole running idea around it, which I mean, it makes sense because like watching videos, he literally like makes a harder like effort pass just to get it to someone like. Yeah, and I mean, I think we all know that's a challenge when you sign these guys to one year deals and everyone's in a way looking out for themselves. And, you know, he's looking out for himself. He's passing it to other guys who are on one year deals, you know, who they all want to to sign a, a contract, a big contract right, yeah. somewhere else, probably. I... Yeah, that was kind of the problem with these prove-it deals. It was a good good and bad. Agreed. I think that the next step right now is we still need a head coach. And I think Do so. we? I like Mike Miller. Listen, I like Mike Miller. And I... I I, I also like stay on the staff, but I don't know if he's our head coach. I think he would be like a great right hand man. I think that the guy that the Brooklyn Nets just let go would be a perfect fit for us. He loves handing the keys to the young guys. I think that he's the guy if we want to see some real development and he gives some real opportunity to our young players. I think he's the guy to go to. I don't know if you guys share the same sentiment. Yeah, he used to, you know he used to be on the bench with us. Yeah, I mean, he was he was with a coach with D'Antoni, right? With Lynn Atkinson. I I, I would love if you could ask me right now today uh, if you yeah, want to yeah. hire, mm-hmm. uh, it would be Atkinson for sure. Um, like you said, he's got a way of developing players. I, I love his energy on the bench. I love that this year with the Nets, he was you know in spite of DeAndre Jordan being there, he was going with Jared Allen. Um, and I, I would love to have him. Uh, He's known around the league as being a great coach. I don't think he's going to bow to whatever Scott Perry tells him to do. He's not one of those kind of coaches. Um, Unfortunately, there might be other teams who want him. And who knows how he thinks about the Knicks. And I'm actually nervous with everything going on in the world right now with the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. 
and this NBA season or postseason potentially eating into the offseason next year, what that's going to do for how we build out our coaching staff, how we build out our front office. Is there going to be time to do any of that in our position? I'm really nervous about all Mm -hmm. that. I could easily see them just sticking with Scott Perry for the time being because there's not enough time to hire a new GM and have them involved in drafting someone if there's just weeks between like the end of the NBA season and the draft or the off season. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I agree. It will be interesting, but I, I, I think Kenny Atkinson's the guy he'll, he'll hand the keys to young players. And I think that's what every Nick fan wants. We're just tired of seeing Emmanuel Moutier and Alfred Payton and whoever else they decide to just throw out there eating up the minutes of the guys that yeah, unfortunately it's it feels like we need Kenny Atkinson to actually ma- help us rebuild finally <laughs> which is fucking sad we just keep starting over yeah. Yeah. I mean if we if we hired a coach like I don't know these other names you exactly. hear like Thibodeau or Van Gundy I, I, I can't even envision what that's right. going to be with these young guys we're gonna we're gonna suck for a year or two, exactly. Still, yeah. and then they're gonna Thibodeau get fired or get sick and want to move on. I just don't see how that would be a good outcome. Agreed. So, just just one thing I want to ask you guys before we close it out, just for fun's sake, who was your who was the worst coach the Knicks have had in the era we just talked about? Who was the worst coach you think? Oh, wow. So much to choose from. <laughs> that just uh, who inspired you the least. Of the worst. <laughs> this is just impossible. We, well, let's go through them. You almost have right? to think about There's a it, lot of coaches. Oh, absolutely. Is there, is, there, is there a wrong answer? There, there is no, wrong, no answer. wrong answer. I mean, would be popular just because he's the yeah, most I mean, successful one. But you got... I mean, what are you? What are you yeah. I mean, can I can I say Derek Fisher? Yeah, you say Derek Fisher. I mean, Kurt Rambis. Should Should Derek Fisher have even no. gotten that coaching job? Did he have any experience other than like you know, no, you know, being under Phil Jackson before? And well, he, know, was was play- he was playing. He was playing the when year he got before here. he was coaching. He, he probably didn't yet. deserve that job to begin with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but he was also. Yeah. I mean, exactly. He was also he known as Kidd. being a leader. You know, as a player, and I remember he was like the president. I think he was the president yeah. of like the right. Players Association, and you know, he was really well respected. Um, he got a big fucking contract, <laughs> which is crazy. Right. I think he got paid more. He got paid like f- over five years, twenty five million, which was way more than he ever got paid as a player. Um, and yeah, we got hit. That was a consolation prize. We didn't get Steve Kerr. Our backup was uh, <laughs> Derek Fisher. Who? Oh, right. Yeah. I thought, honestly, when. I mean, <laughs> he didn't Kirk have any sense. real experience, but you also started. You were starting to see or hear about players wanting to play for, you know, former players or somewhat recent former players because they understood the game. So I hung on to that when they hired Fisher. Uh, but he was not. Mm-hmm. He was not a good coach. I think my least favorite coach, though, during this time period, had to be uh, Hornacek, I think. <laughs> I 
I don't even know if I need to go into why. I mean, they first of all, they all suck. (laughs) Basically, they all suck because they didn't play Frank. (laughs) Leave it at that. (laughs) Nobody had any balls. That's yeah. To let he played Ron Baker over play consistent minutes and just let him work through it. Every one of these coaches was so weak that they depended on these mediocre veteran point guards that were on the roster always over this young, studly French prince. <laughs> wait, wait, we're on the same Where? Like D- different S? There was a different S you were going to go with there. What was I going to go with? Instead of studly. Listen, man, I, you don't know me that well. I mean... I assume you were going to go with sexy. Why do you think I'd have a problem saying <laughs> sexy? I can I can jump to all the conclusions. <laughs> I, you you paused for that S for a second. I was like, "He's sexy." Going there? All so right, you you pulled back. You went, "Oh, Studley." All right, I that's what I thought. I just thought you were on the same same page, but you went with Studley. It might be recency bias, but for, honestly, I think Fizzle might be my least favorite. Yeah, for me, it's tied between Hornacek and Fizdale. They're just big rah rah guys, and they have no idea what they're talking about, like X's and O's wise. And it's it's Especially tough to just watch. seeing how they played after Miller came on. And not like Miller is Red Auerbach or anything, but I think it was such a obvious difference <laughs> just with the the structure that happened before and after Fisdale. I I don't know if he did any coaching. I I just. No, he wasn't doing I anything. I never saw anything out of him. Honestly, I, I, before you even said that, I totally he forgot was. about Fizdale. <laughs> I forgot he was ever <laughs> even here. I mean, that's how good of a fucking coach he was. <laughs> no one can blame him. He, he had a really attractive <laughs> wife, a lot of fucking dogs. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of money. He's got those fucking a lot of money. Those wood, wood-like wow. glasses. And I, a lot of fans get really upset <laughs> when you talk shit about He's got Fizdale, glasses. Come on. He's like a player's guy. Like all the players he's, will value him. He's their best him, friend. He's, fr- he's their friend, you know? Yeah. He's and like then you know what? Guy. That makes exactly. for a shitty exactly. coach. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Agreed. They need – yeah. Well, it's not like – it makes for like a good like um <laughs> like a good movie coach. Yeah. Like if you give like a pep like talk in the movies. Yeah, exactly. Out, he a good coach in the movies. He would do the same yeah. thing. Well <laughs> He went to the wrong career, it seems. Well that's that. That's that's where we are with the Knicks. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have any have any closing remarks. After all um not, well, we should tell people where they can listen to us. All right, because I feel like we do this all the time and I always forget to do that, so I'm gonna do it tonight. Yes. Oh, I was going to give you guys the table, don't you? All right, yeah. Well, if you want to listen to yeah, more of me that. and Barry argue uh, or make fun of each other, I love to make fun of Barry. Barry, I'm sorry, by the way. You don't? I don't your I'm wife was. Your fuck. wife called me the Go other ahead. night. Yeah, no, she was asking no, no. me to tone Bring it down it the on the next I podcast. Welcome. She said that you're like moping around the house after we do podcasts. Is that... <laughs> what the fuck are you tired for? That's Did just you I'm so tired. Right That's what this? has nothing to do with you and the things that you say. Do to you me? guys edit this podcast? Yeah, well, it's still late for me. You can, but do you? Yeah, well, we just like trim it. 
we can. No, I'll, yeah, yeah. Well, I want it all in. I don't care. I'm, I'm I mean, just, it depends. You want? I'm you just want curious because. All right. No, he's asking for a different reason. He wants to know if you put like post production time in after you record because Craig puts a lot of post production time in, and I just go to bed after these. And so he feels like he's carrying more of the load. Oh, I I always go to sleep at eleven o'clock, and I'm up until one, two in the morning editing that shit together. I get I'm angry all night, like just saying fuck Barry, fuck. I can't believe I'm fucking doing this right now. When's Barry gonna start (laughs) editing? Do you do that, Nate? I'm sure Nate does the same thing. Uh, a little. Yeah, he's an editor. But there's there's some process. Yeah, it's a nice life, you know, being that guy. While I'm doing. Like, do you ever think about like yeah. offering to me, like, "Hey, I'll it, I'll take care of uh, nice. finishing this off tonight." Any offer like that is that what friends should do? Nate, are you content with that? Yeah, he, he I, seems, we're in the he same position. Content, so why disrupt? Drives me crazy. Okay, I just want to see. So you have an opposite, really. I just want to piss Barry off. That's how we out. That's how we roll. There you go. <laughs> But if anybody wants to hear any more of us, it's a hard next life, the pain, the passion, the podcast. I'm Craig. That's motherfucking Barry. Barry motherfucking D. Oh, my God. Highly recommend. Just fucked it all up. You guys can edit that out, right? Uh, you can listen to us everywhere. Um, and please. <laughs> no, we're, we're rolling. Absolutely. Definitely should check their stuff out. It's on yeah. all platforms. Definitely worth mm-hmm. listening, especially if you're a Knicks fan. My name is Nate. With my pod pal Phil, as always, check us Thanks out for on staying Spotify, with. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Also, just released our first YouTube video. More to come going forward on the hoop on the YouTube channel Hoop Scoop. Check it out, and tune in next week for another scoop of the hoop. <laughs>